You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to be talking with a former NASM educator who was there before my days, and my days were a long time ago. So I started working there in 2006. He's a studio owner in Hollywood, a podcast host, and he is the author of a new book called 22 Ways to Optimal Health and Fitness. Welcome, my guest, Steve Jordan. Hey, Steve, what's going on? Oh, it's awesome to be here. I am so excited. I can't believe it. I'm, you know, it's so, it, NASM, when I hear the words NASM, it just brings joy to my, joy to my, my inner being, uh-huh. a smile to my face. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. Hey, thank you so much. Tell us a, a little bit about you. Kind of introduce yourself and uh, uh, let people know who you are. Awesome. Well, my, as you said, my name is Steve Jordan. And, um, you know, I am a health and fitness entrepreneur, uh, coach, um, someone who has been in the industry for almost 26 years. Um, and I started my career um, in... When I was in college, um, I had was a kinesiology major at the University of Maryland, and I thought I wanted to go to physical therapy school or chiropractic school, something of that nature, some helping people. And uh, when I was 19 years old, I had an accident, a traumatic brain injury that nearly took my life. Um, to make a long story short, nearly uh, had to have brain surgery to save my life. Um, it was a three-year recovery, and during that recovery. Uh, that was very glint. Let's just say some of the best doctors in the world were were thinking that I might not recover in the way that I did. Um, I had brain damage, short-term, long-term memory loss, tip of the tongue syndrome. Um, I had Bell's palsy, which is facial paralysis on the left side of my face from a crushed facial nerve from the impact. Um, I was deformed looking. I had over 100 staples and stitches in my head. I had hearing loss from a crushed eardrum from that as well. So this was a really traumatic experience and an event. Um, But what kept me together emotionally, spiritually, and and physically was the foundation in which my body was built on. Um, I was always an athlete growing up. I played football lacrosse at at a high level. I was captain of my teams. I had scholarships and uh, and, and uh, opportunities in, in playing college in both sports. And um, you know, I say that because you know there was a lot of breakdowns and and you know and, and hard times when you play sport and especially at a high level um, where you learn to pick yourself back up. You know, and it's that saying: it's not how hard you fall; it's how quickly you pick yourself back up. And I I ended up was in the most crazy traumatic experience in my life. And I had to pick myself back up. And the one thing that I knew that I could do that helped me do that was exercise. And once I was able to and released to move, which was about three months after the initial accident, um, I started to exercise my body and realized that what I was doing when I was growing up for looking good or performing better on the field was now to recover in a way that I hoped and wished for that I, you know, that I, I could see and return to normalcy, uh, you know, going back to college where doctors, you know, and therapists, my memory score tests were so low, they didn't think I'd ever go back to school. So exercise became a new form for me. And in that, like, 
in that space of maybe six months, I realized I had a gift and I had an opportunity to turn my life around and to perhaps help others. And that's when I made the choice to get into exercise uh, training and personal training at the time. Um, and I got certified through the, the American Academy of Sports Medicine, ACSM. And that was the beginning of my career. Um, and I'll, I'll stop there because, you know, I, and, and, I'll, and, you know, a few years later is when I was introduced to NASM, which really like took my life and career to a, another experience. And, uh, I'd love to share about that, but I'll, I'll stop that. So, you know, that's where I started my career and that's who I am. Um, you know, not who I am fully, but that's where I started. I wanted to get that kind of point across. So people yeah, know where I want to, I want to talk to you about NASM, but before I get to it, um, I got to backtrack a little bit to yeah. this incredibly traumatic experience. So let, let me just unpack that for a moment with you, because the amount of, as I'm listening to you talk, the amount of, I don't know, despair, um, kind of a, a lack of hope, what, what's my what's next, and me sitting back thinking about it, looking at myself the way that maybe you looked at yourself and went, I can't. Like there's all of those things that I dreamed about, all the things that I was hoping to do, um, the way that I look, the way that I feel, the way that I move or don't move, everything is, I mean, for a brief moment, I hope, it was despair. What, what was that like, that, that awful moment where you kind of wake up and you see yourself for the first time? And, and how did that trajectory start to change where you were like, okay, well, let me at least start moving again and, mm. and then see that big switch? Yeah, awesome question. And uh, I'll never forget um, the first time I was in intensive care uh, for about two and a half weeks, just family was able to see me and be with me. Yeah. It was one of the first times after I got out, of, it was after I got out of intensive care that uh, I was able to have friends or people that I knew outside of immediate family come visit. And I had one of my, one of my best girlfriends that I grew up with come and visit me. And when she walked mm -hmm. in the room, she passed out, like she fell over like oh. literally because I looked so deformed and broken um and i remember that vividly then that, pr that probably days, didn't sit well with you either no, <laughs> no, no no but i remember even after uh. walking around the hallway with her you know i was able to walk um you know very slowly i i had all my physical i had all my my motor skills um i just couldn't my head was just all bashed up and my brain was all was was not working well um, but I remember a few days later, um, one evening, looking in the mirror and seeing myself with 100 staples and stitches in my head. My head was shaved from one part all the way over to the other. Like it was like three-fourths shaved with partial hair on the other side. And then the hair was still dried blood that was coming from the surgery and the accident. Um, and the staples were like, it was like Frankenstein staples. I had like all the way around from the base of my ear, all the way to the back of my head in this big horseshoe. That was where the surgery scar was. And then there was other staples that had sewn up the, the lacerations that had impacted from the fall. So, uh, you know, I'm, I couldn't even believe what I was looking at. And I cried, um, you know, honestly, Rick, it was like, like a little baby crying. I was 19 years old. And I remember in that moment thinking that I had to make a choice. And the choice was like, am I going to get, am I, is it, am I going to let this 
take me down. It's like in sport. And that's why I bring that up. You know, like mm -hmm. you get hit, you get knocked down in football. Like you get back up, you get back in the huddle and you go back into, you know, the next play. Like, am I going to get, am I going to let this knock me down or am I going to get up and get back in the game? And maybe I'm not going to play it the best that I could play right away, but I'm determined to get out there and do the best that I can in the moment. And in that moment, I don't know what inspired me or willed me to do this, but I tried to make my lip move. And at this time, my left side of my face was paralyzed from that crushed facial nerve. Mm -hmm. um, and they were gonna do a, they would have to do an emergency kind of brain surgery again to take my peroneal nerve and implant it in my facial nerve to get some kind of regeneration in my face so that I would be able to have some sort of movement and muscle activity so I wouldn't look deformed in the whole left side of my face when sat. And I willed myself to try and make my lip move, and I didn't. It would be, you know, it'd be like if you had, if you were paralyzed and you tried to make your legs move and you couldn't make a move and you just, you know, like nothing was happening. It was just nothing was firing, nothing was going on. And I did it again, and I did it again, and I did it again, and still nothing. And I didn't give up until one time I was able to make my lip move and I got a twitch like just the slightest twitch. And if you're watching, you can see this. I went like that. Wow. Just this little movement where I didn't know much better than any, anybody else. I just was like, wow, okay, I got that. That's great. Go to bed, went to bed. Next morning, my family comes into the room. We were going to see the doctors the next day to talk about this brain surgery that was gonna have to happen within days of yeah. that day, that particular day because the longer a nerve is impaired or paralyzed the less likely it's going to regenerate so i told my parents my parents not scientists doctors or anything like that they're like okay honey we'll make sure you tell the doctors so we go to the doctor's yeah. office um, which was in the hospital and uh the doctors are like well based on the mris and cat scans this nerve is damaged we need to do the surgery in the next few days these are the risks the procedure and what we're going to do and why we're doing it my parents are like, okay, we get that. Like, yeah, this makes sense. Let's go for it. But I want to let you know that Stephen was able to move his lip last night. And they were like, no, that's impossible. My mom said, oh, Stephen, wow. show him. And I did exactly what I showed just before I went like this and moved my lip. And the ENT and the neurosurgeon from Johns Hopkins University who performed my surgery at John at University of Maryland, Baltimore, um, they said, Not shabby. you're a miracle. What's that? I said, that's not shabby, the Johns Hopkins no, neurosurgeons. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bring that up because these are, I mean, these are the top doctors in the world, not just, yeah. you know, I mean, not that every doctor has their value, but I mean, these are top, 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 top doctors. And when they saw that, they literally nearly fell out of their chair. The ENT walked up to me, put his hand on my shoulder. He said, you're a miracle kid. Good luck. Wow. Walked out of the room. The neurosurgeon <laughs> said, that is unbelievable. He couldn't believe it. He goes like this. He says, huh, modern medicine, who would have thought? And no. he had no explanation, no rhyme or reason to huh. understand what had happened there. And the timing, like what happened, I believe was a miracle, but even a greater miracle was the time that it happened. Yeah. Because Rick, if that didn't happen, if I didn't do that that night, I would have had that surgery a few days later and my life wouldn't be the same. Mm. And uh, from that moment on, I committed myself to rehab my face and train my face muscles 
like you would train the muscles of any other part of your body that was impaired or you had to go through therapy for. And I worked the muscles of my face to be able to get full, almost full movement. As you can see, I can smile, I can move, but there is a little bit of an asymmetry on the bottom left lip where it doesn't go down all the way. Um, and sometimes if I have to bite into a burger or like something big, that's, you know, kind of, I have to push my <laughs> lip down with my thumb. Otherwise I'll bite my lip because it doesn't go down. But oh, uh, yeah, but it's still only... worth it to push that lip down to get the burger. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because it's more than just, you know, the getting that face to move. Cause that was the, yeah. you know, I call it the, the tipping point, the breakthrough, right? So, you know, turning breakdowns and the breakthroughs where I was able to take this particular incident, this moment, this miracle, if you will, and turn it into a life lesson and into a career mm. where I say I fell into my career because this is where the inception of my career started, where I learned that moving and exercise and not just going to change your body, but it's going to change your nervous system. It's going to change your, your thoughts, your mindset, uh, the way you are, the way you act, the way you are feeling, all of the above and so much more. That is what I wanted to do. And it was a way to sort of prehab people into taking care of themselves today because you never know what life is going to throw at you. I had no idea I was going to fall off of that, that uh, balcony that night and my life wow. was going to turn around and change. So I was going to be able to like, I want to help people have some stability in their mind, body and spirit so that if life throws them a curveball like it did to me, they're able to have a foundation that they can work from and build themselves back to where they need to be. My goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Steve Jordan, and he uh, he's obviously gone through some stuff. He's dealt <laughs> with some stuff, but it's the coming out of it. It's the, you know, the picking yourself back up. And I don't know. That's that's why I wanted to talk about, ask the question I did. Like, I, I can't imagine being in that position, uh, in that type of hurt, in that type of pain, in that type of, you know, coming out of that into despair and um, you know, having people around you, obviously your, your family, your friends were there for you. And I think that's, uh, that's obviously, uh, very, very necessary. Um, and, and it helped you, but then you moved into trying to figure out like, what are these kind of, you talk about small wins for, for fitness people, right? Like what are our small wins? What are the, the little goals that we're trying to hit? to hit. And we think about that sometimes as like, all right, so can I get uh, a few extra meters or calories on uh, some type of erg machine? Or can I up my weight two and a half pounds on a bench press? Um, can I get my time better on my marathon? Those are all things. You're, you're little wins. We're talking about trying to get your lip to quiver. So if, if this doesn't share with us, trying to find something that is both little and and paramount and huge uh I, I don't know what is so you've you've gone through trying to find these little wins that are also big wins mm -hmm. and and celebrating that and using that as we've talked on this podcast before as an upward spiral to say i've i've worked so much to get this little thing happen and that little thing is a huge win and that now sends me up instead of spiraling down into greater despair and, and distraughtness, taking that up. I want to talk through 
some of these other breakthroughs that that you've had and 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 let's go back to NASM for a moment so you mm-hmm. went through and you you were at the American College of Sports Medicine I, I have a certification that I've done through them as well incredible content but moving into NASM what was your experience when you when you made your push into this this new certification that was out there and what that meant to you and and how did that then lead to maybe some other breakthroughs in your life uh, absolutely and this is i i owe my a lot of my career success to NASM and the beginning of it in the in the certification process so as you said ACSM awesome certification um, you know definitely had a, a lot of credibility in the industry at the time. And in around 2000, I was working for a health club called the Sports Club LA in New York City in Rockefeller Center. And we were at the time, yeah, it was a premier sports club. It was uh, an Mm -hmm. awesome place to work. And NASM uh, came in as an opportunity to, they wanted everybody to establish a similar school of thought in 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 their exercise science understanding. You know, everybody had a some sort of science background, um, kinesiology or exercise physiology or biomechanics in their previous education, but many people didn't have the way they trained. They wanted they they wanted a similarity in, in training. So uh, NASM was introduced to us, and this was at the time when NASM you had to take a written exam, you had to go somewhere, oh, you yeah. learn the information, uh, and, and you know Lenny Parasino or yeah. Roddy Corn or somebody like teaches this course, and you're there for the weekend, and you're like cramming and you're like a group of there's only like 15 people there too there wasn't a group of like 100 that were right. you know or even a couple hundred it was like real live and then sunday morning you got to take this written exam and you're not going to find out the results for like a couple weeks later i mean it was like super epsilon like of the of the of the certification um and you were super scared whether you're going to fail or pass um, <laughs> and after passing but what was awesome about it I was, since my accident, I was never great at memorizing. So Mm. uh, my memory was impaired and probably still long-term was, but what I loved about the certification and studying and preparing for it prior to even going into that weekend was that the information was applicable. So I can take the information like in that, the OPT model, the optimal performance training model, and I can start from corrective exercise training at the time. This is where that foundation uh, level was all the way up to power for training. And I can take it and I can apply it to myself. And I started to use the principles and the foundation of the of the knowledge that I was learning and apply it to myself. So it became a kinesthetic learning experience as well as a, 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 a you know visual experience or auditory experience. And I in, it, it just like I absorbed it immediately. I'd never really learned that way prior before. And I mean, I did, and we all have, but in, a, in an educational way, in a way that I was mm. going to use something to help me. And then I started to apply to my clients. Even before I got the certification, I was applying it to my clients oh, and nice. using it already. And it, it became just, you know, I saw the benefit immediately. Um, it was an intuition. It was an understanding. And the clients felt it and relayed that feedback as well. So um, that is where I found, like, I wasn't just waking up and going to a client and asking a client, what are you going to do today? Like, what do you want to train today? Back buys, chest tries. Like, I literally had a program, an opportunity to be able to take somebody, do an assessment on them, tell them what they need based on some dysfunctions, the breakdowns in their movement patterns, things that I see or don't see, ways they were moving or not moving. 
and do things that they've never experienced before, things that I felt confident and because I was using it and doing it on my own to be able to, in, to uh, apply and be able to create those immediate results. And then there was a progression to it as well, which was awesome, right? So being like able to, and which held clients even longer, right? Rather than having a client for a month, I had clients for years because now I'm taking you from this foundation to this foundation. I could even go back to that foundation below where we started and tweak that and add a couple different ways of doing it to make it a little bit more challenging and take you back up a progression that looks even different than that. And so it was constantly evolving and changing. And that is literally where my career changed, where I became an expert in the ability to program clients in the OPT model for their needs and wants rather than what I wanted or what they thought they wanted. And that's where NASN became uh, pivotal in the career change for me. Um, I was living in New York City, as you said. And then when I moved to California, I had this dream and ambition that I wanted to be a trainer to the stars and go out to California and, you know, live in, uh, live in the sun on the sunset coast and, and do that. I grew up on the East coast, but I always felt the California vibe. And when I moved there, I thought that, you know, I'm going to do some things on my own. I produced a, a video at the time called Steve Jordan's posture, perfect program. And it was a video, a manual, and foam rollers that I sold as a kit. I sold it to perform better, power systems. It was a super entrepreneurial move where I took the NASM overhead squat and I packaged it and put it into layman's terms so that anybody could do it on their own. Where you were at home, I would have you do an overhead squat. I would have you be able to assess yourself. And based on your assessment, your self-assessment, program you into a static uh, foam rolling, static stretching program and corrective exercise program. And it was awesome. And I sold it internationally. Men's Fitness did a feature article on it where I was able to model for it as well, a six page feature. With that success, like I, again, built up more and more confidence, still have tremendous value and respect for NASM and the material and information I learned. And I walked into the office one day at Calabasas where they were after delivering uh, hand delivering the videos and manuals and kit uh, to a local distribution company over there. And uh, I walked in and I saw Bobby Capuccio and I said, Hey, Bobby, uh -huh. you know, I've moved here from California, from New York. Uh, you might remember me from this certification, um, you know, da da da. And I have so much respect for NASM and the education. It changed my career. I just did this video yeah. and kit called. Steve Jordan's posture perfect program. And it's based on the overhead squad and corrective exercise training, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'd love to be an educator and I'd love to like give back and do something different. And he said, well, let's see what we can do. And to make a long story short, I got hired and became an educator now training trainers <sighs> doing what I was doing. And what was even more amazing, Rick, was that five years prior to that, I will not say seven years prior to that, I was 26 years old when I got the job, 27 years old at ASM. At 19 years old, I was nearly dead, brain dead, told yeah. I might not go back to college, might not be able to do anything. I had tip of the tongue syndrome where I couldn't even finish complete sentences. And I was now educating for the world premiere fitness certification. And I felt so much like compassion, love, respect. And I was proud of myself and I was just so humbly respectful to NASM and what they were able to do for me because they did literally change my career there. Oh, Steve, that's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Steve Jordan. Uh, he has 
been through some breakdowns. He has certainly been through some breakthroughs. And he's a studio owner and the author of a new book, which we'll get to in just a moment. But I also want to pick up on something you said where you were having some hard times learning, but you went through and followed progressions and you applied it to your clients. And I think that that's a great thing for anybody who's new to NASM that's trying to go through the, the, the book, trying to learn the information, one of the most important things that you can do is practice it because that does have the staying power. Otherwise, it's memorization. And if you're not applying it anyway, then you're not really going to make that make sense when you go out into the world. So while you're in the learning process, start applying it with your clients, start using it on yourself so that you can say, oh, okay, this is going to not just help me in my fitness, but it's also going to help me remember what it is that I need to do for when you are going to sit for that, um, that exam. All right. So with that said, look, man, you've been through a lot of stuff. You've, uh, you've also been in the industry for a long time. You're coming up on 26 years, you said, and I think that's, that is incredible. But here's the thing, man. It's huge, the attrition rate in the fitness industry, and, and which is the turnover rate, how many trainers we lose. So, I mean, you went through some stuff, and you also kind of became a, quite the entrepreneur in that time. So, like, what are some of the things that have created the staying power within the fitness industry for you? Mm. It's the love of helping people. You know, I, I say if, if money didn't, have to pay your bills, put, you know, roof over your head or fruit in your mouth. I would be doing this no matter what. I love Amen. helping people. There's no better gift than when I can have an impact in somebody's life where they come back and say, wow, I'm able to do this or I'm able to do that. Or I recovered from that. Or, you know, I am so grateful. I learned so much or clients that I even now, some of my first clients that I had 26 years ago, I still keep in touch with. And they still say to this day, I've never met anybody who's helped me as much as you. I still take some of the lessons you taught me 26 years ago and still apply them to my life now. Um, you're literally making a difference in somebody's life. And for me, that is paramount. And that's what keeps me going and what keeps me you know, trying to reinvent and create and stay flexible in the industry that's consistently changing and you know, having to adapt. I feel the industry is like fitness. you know, And it's because... If you do the same thing over and over again, your body's going to hit a plateau. Your body's not going to uh, be stimulated as it, as it would be if you were doing something new. So I feel it's constantly evolving, constantly changing. So you need to stay flexible. You need to stay adaptive. And the change is good. And it's, it's challenging just as if you were to take on a new program, new exercise program, or a new weight, or a new, new, um, a, a new skill or task. But once you do it and you get the reps in and you stay consistent with it, you're going to get the results. And that's what I love about the industry. And that's how and what I believe has been part of my staying power and staying relative and relevant in a consistently and ever-changing industry. Um, I think there's so much to learn. And, I, and this is one last thing, is, and I've said this for decades, if you stop learning, you stop growing, and you might as well get out of the industry. You need mm -hmm. to continue to learn. You need to continue to grow. Growth is a part of our human is part of our human uh, primary needs. If we don't grow, we die. If we don't grow, 
we're going to be stale and stagnant. We're not going to feel passionate or compelled to do anything. If you're feeling stale or you're not, you're feeling stuck, it's time to move, it's time to shift, it's trying to change something up. It's like changing a weight or changing an exercise or just totally tweaking the program for you to get some kind of new result and different feel or experience out of what you're doing. That's when you should make the change. It's not going to be easy, but you got to stick with it and follow through on it and make the commitment. Set goals. And like you said before, short-term goals, right? If somebody wants to lose 10 pounds and you're working with them, do you focus on the 10 pounds or do you focus on the first pound? You focus on the first pound. Once you get that, you build a momentum. You focus on the second, the third, and fourth, and so on. It's the same thing in business and same thing in our industry. And I would, uh, you know, encourage people to find ways of doing that. Community is so important. And it's one of the great things about NASM, this podcast, the uh, workshops and other types of programs that you all do um, is community. You guys have an outstanding community in the industry. And I would highly encourage people to attend, uh, whether it be virtually or in person, any of these programs to meet others in your industry to communicate, to be vulnerable, to share, to, uh, you know, share what's going on for you because you might be able to either one, collaborate or, uh, you know, help each other and support each other. Or you might just find some support in the fact that you know that somebody else has gone through or went through what you went through and it'll help you get through, you know, those challenging times when you want to quit. You know, I think most people get into this industry because they want to help people and sometimes they don't feel maybe valuable enough or maybe they feel they're not helping people enough. But let me tell you, you are. You're making a difference in people's lives, whether you know it or not. If people are paying you money and they're coming and they're committing their time and energy and carving out time in their schedule to come see you or for you to go see them, you're making a difference in their life and you're important. So don't forget that. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Jordan is here and he's sharing his story with us. And one of the things I want you to share and as we start to wrap up is that transition. You were with NASM for a while and then you opened a studio in Hollywood. So I want to hear about yeah. the, the studio. And then we talked prior to, to coming on how that went from providing simply providing a service to shifting into a business. So I'd love to have you speak to that for a moment. Yeah, sure. So I was with NASM for a couple of years, uh, teaching the the CPT course, and I just didn't see me going any further Um, in in the sense of teaching the other courses at the time that were being offered, the integrated flexibility specialist or the sports specific uh, specialist. And I, you know, I, I had uh, an opportunity uh, to leave NASM on a good note. Uh, Dr. Michael Clark and I parted ways uh, very amicably, and um, I went off and did a couple other things. And I decided I'd always wanted to open my own studio. Um, and again, using the foundation and principles of, of NASM, I saw a tool called the Power Plate, uh, whole body vibration, mm-hmm. being underutilized. We had one at our uh, at at the headquarters there in Calabasas, but no one really was kind of using it in a way that I kind of saw that could be used. And I started to apply the NASM foundation principles of the CPT onto the uh, onto the power plate. 
And I called the power plate and uh, told just by the way, real quick, a power plate is a vibrating platform. So yeah. uh, it's a, it's something that you can do exercises on top of. So for people who aren't familiar with power plate is, is a, it's a vibrating platform that has a lot of a, a, a lot of peer reviewed content that supports how it can actually help you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for for saying that. Sure. Um, and, and it has been, you know, definitely a, it was a tool that I intuitively knew that could do benefit and help people. Um, but from also an entrepreneurial side point, I saw nobody using it in a way that I could see it being used or saw it being used when I had some other uh, opportunities. And so I opened up a studio with PowerPlay being a unique selling tool using yeah. the NASM material to be able to differentiate myself in the marketplace, where in Los Angeles, it's a very concentrated uh, marketplace of you know professional yeah. fitness trainers and even studio owners. And so I did that and I did it you know, with talk about breakdowns, owning a business and a studio is not for the faint of heart. It is definitely <laughs> challenging. Um, I nearly went bankrupt. Um, I lost relationships over them. I didn't go home for holidays with, 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 uh, to go see family. Um, I sleepless nights, very early mornings, but with all that, there was there. awesome opportunities and I was able to, I had it really all on my own. Like it was all me and I had like maybe another trainer or two other trainers that would pick up maybe some slack. If I were going away, they would train a couple clients or if I had a client that wanted to do in-home, I would give that client, uh, you know, trainer to that client because I couldn't do in-home anymore because really the studio was my baby. And then, then COVID happens and COVID, you know, turned the world upside down, but also turned the industry of fitness upside down and shook us out literally and figuratively, um, you know, I had to shut down momentarily. Um, I had to really kind of reevaluate what I needed to do. I had owned the studio now for almost 14 years at that time and decided, what do I, you know, do I want to keep doing this? Is it something where my passion is really still? Am I, am I excited to wake up and go there? The answer to all that was no, honestly. Mm. You know, I had, I had 14 years of doing that, that grind. I had reinvented the studio three times where I literally changed the whole look of it, changed the equipment up, changed the, the flooring to the lighting to the, yeah. to the name as well, like just mm. shaking it up and, and, and making it feel fresh so that I would feel fresh. Um, but this time was different. And um, I, I took a little time off as everybody had to and did. I took a couple months off and I reevaluated myself and I said, you know, if I keep doing this, I'm going to, like, as I mentioned earlier, I'm stale, I'm burned out. I just don't want to do it. I don't feel like I'm serving others as well as I could. Hmm. I went into virtual training as many had to, and, and were kind of forced into, I'm grateful that I was forced into it. I always knew about it, but this time I had to, because I needed to make money to survive. And I wanted to serve my clients that were now asking, Hey, you know, when, what can we do? Can we get into something? So then I realized, you know what, virtual training just is really cool. Like I'm actually doing this. I'm able to one, do it from home. I'm able to do it from anywhere. Um, and I'm actually doing better. I'm actually more into it because now I've got a new perspective on how I'm working with people. I call it show and tell. So when I'm, when I'm teaching trainers or mentoring other trainers, I, you need to show them the exercise, tell them the exercise so that they can see it, hear it, and then execute it as best they can. And so in the virtual space, I had to show and tell in a different way that I was used to. So now I was utilizing new ways of doing, communicating, performing, showing that I hadn't been used to, which made me feel alive again. 
And at that point, I realized, you know what? I told my wife, I said, you know what? We can do this anywhere. I don't need to be in uh, L.A. anymore. We always loved Orange County. We loved near the beach. Um, we loved more of a chill lifestyle. We want to start a family. Let's move to Orange County. Long story short, oh, wow. we do. And uh, we took that leap of faith. And at the time, I had to make this decision. Am I going to keep the studio or am I going to close it down? Well, there were two deciding factors. One was... Uh, what am I going to do with all the equipment uh, and everything I just spent uh, a lot of money on uh, re, re kind of vitalizing and, and putting a new, you know, kind of uh, experience in there. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to sell it? I can barely sell it. No gyms are open right now. People aren't going to do it. I'm going to have to put it in storage and it's going to cost me money to do that. And it's going to be a pain in the butt. So that was one conversation I was having. The other conversation was, you know what? I've been a staple in this community of Westwood for 15 years. Um, and if I close the doors, people aren't going to have access to anything because there was no other personal training studios like ours in the community. So I thought about the community as well as a whole. And I made the decision at that point, I need to go now and find trainers that are hungry, that want to go and do something and have this autonomy where they can work in a studio that's been built for them take away all that hard work. I pay the rent. You build a business inside of here. You take clients that I give you and service them. And I'm going to create a great pay structure, like triple what you would make at Equinox or any other health club and pay you well so that you can you know, feel that value, which I think is so important. And that's what I did. And over the past two years, I built a team of six uh, independent trainers uh, we've got over 20 clients that we service that I've brought in. They all have the ability to service their clients in there for a very small rental fee for that hour. And they basically have a business of their own, a, you know, a shop, a brick and mortar where they don't have to worry about any of the responsibilities or anything else other than just going and training and servicing. And I was able to turn a service business, which means basically if I wasn't in that studio, I wasn't making money now right. into a business, which means I'm now creating passive income while I'm here in Orange County, being able to you know, service the community of Westwood, give trainers autonomy and the value and experience that they feel like they own the studio. And um, you know, they are owners. They, and I tell them, you guys are part owners of this. If you weren't here, this wouldn't exist. I wouldn't be able to pay the rent. I wouldn't be able to do this and service the community. You are that important to me. And that's why I pay you well. That's why we get along. That's why everybody has that, you know, uh, that, that professionalism. And that has been, uh, you know, amazing. I actually was just having, you know, a conversation with one of the trainers on Saturday. I said, you know, literally, I said, his name is Matt. I said, Matt, you know, thank you. Thank you very much for all that you've done for stepping up in certain situations where I couldn't be there. And I had to kind of, you know, put a fire out or this or that, where he was able to do that and be my right hand man. I said, you're not just helping me, you're helping the community of Westwood and all the clients that you work with. You're helping the other trainers. But you're also helping my family, you know, because I'm able to have an income without having to be somewhere and be able to now help my wife take care of our four month old son and build a new business down here. And from that time and experience, I was able to write my book and parlay my career, um, you know, 26 years into new experiences that are making me feel alive, passionate and excited again. So, you know, it's a win-win for everybody.
Well, real quick, because I know you had some downtime uh, with the pandemic where you probably started writing this book. Can you just give a little plug for your book? Uh, you know, feed it to us a little bit. What's the what's the book about and then where can we find it? Absolutely. It's called 22 Ways to Optimal Health and Fitness. And um, it is based on the principles and ways that I have learned over the past 26 years of my career or perhaps even a lifetime that I know without a shadow of a doubt will change your life or your client's life or anybody's life um, for the better. To live an extraordinary life, a life that you deserve, they are foundations and principles and ways from uh, mindset to nutrition to lifestyle hacks to exercise hacks um, to just ways of being that are going to help you be your best self. Um, it is, uh, you know, a very, it's, it, so the way that I did it and I, and I want to give credit to the, the title, the 22 ways, uh, came about from a email that I got from Joel Osteen, who's a preacher that I've heard who helped me during times, uh, listening to his podcasts or reading his books or, um, hearing his inspirational sermons during times of my, like very low points in life. He had a new book called 55 Ways to Be Blessed and Not Stressed. And I was like, well, that's cool. I kind of like that. And I had been working on writing a book several times, but I always would get caught up on the, on the title. Like, you know how you and I, Rick, before we started, oh, yeah. what are we going <laughs> to name this podcast? It's always hard to create that title. But yeah. for a book, you kind of have to have the title before you write it because you got to know what you're like. The title has to make sense. So um I thought, well, let me do that. And my mindset is like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do 99 ways. And when I started the first one, what did I think? This is a great lesson for everybody listening. We all want to do, we, we all we want to get to the stars immediately, right? We want to jump to the moon. We want to get, you know, fast tracked all the way to the top. 99 became unattainable. It was unrealistic. And when you're working with clients, you, you know, the, the uh, SMART goal uh, acronym, right? Specific, yeah. measurable, attainable, realistic, and times. I knew that I was not going to get it done based on past experiences. I knew it was going to be too much. It wasn't measurable. I was going to get burned out. It was no way I was going to do 99. So then I looked up in the Google and I said, Mr. Google, Mrs. Google, how do I, what are the power of numbers? What are the numbers in marketing that really like resonate with people subconsciously, consciously? And 22 was one of them. And we were in the year 2022. And uh, I was like, that's the one. And so there are 22 ways um, plus a bonus way. And um, they're simple, palatable ways of learning. You can take, you don't have to read it from front to back. You can kind of look through the table of contents and find one that like attracts you uh, and go to that one. I found, and I wrote it this way very simplistically. I mean, there might be one way that is only like two or three pages long. Um, and it's because we learn information today in bites with our, the way our brains are now wired with social media and everything. Like it's very hard for people to consistently read for 20 or 30 minutes. It's easier for us to read five minutes or 10 minutes, just like exercise. It's easier to do things intervals rather than doing a long-term longer marathon. So that's the way I wrote it. Um, the first five chapters, I believe, are the most important. And I did put those first because they are progressive. Uh, for instance, the first mm -hmm. chapter is know your why. What is your why? Why did you pick up this book? Why did you order it? Why did you get it? Why do you want to be healthy? Why do you want to be fit? Why do you want to live an extraordinary life? Why do you deserve it? 
ask yourself these questions and you're going to get great answers to be able to help motivate and inspire you to living that extraordinary life and doing the other principles in the book and applying them and being consistent with them. Um, the book is available on Amazon, uh, in ebook, uh, version, and it's also available on my website, stevejordan.com in hard copy. If you order hard copy, I'm going to write you a personal note on the inside of it and, uh, autograph it for you personally. And it's also on my website as well in an e-version. Um, so you can listen and not listen to it, but you can uh, read it. It will be in audibles or on that. Um, but I'm just kind of waiting for this to kind of, I'm going in through this in stages and seeing what we get out of this and then building out those other uh, components as well. So super excited Very about good. it. Uh, the feedback on it has been amazing. You'll read some of my client testimonials in here. You'll read stories of me working with some celebrities and some of the stories and experience I had with them that pertain to some of those ways and how that client um, and celebrity or star and or person was able to benefit from that particular uh, way that I know that will change your life. Um, you know, it's, uh, again, I'm very, as NASM changed my career and I was very proud to be an educator when I was at NASM. Um, it's hard sometimes for people to fe feel proud or say they're proud, but I think it's really important to celebrate your victory, celebrate what you've done and what you do, because that will also inspire and motivate you to keep going. It's like when you watch a sports team and someone scores a touchdown or, you know, hits a free throw, you hear that you see them slap fives you know, hit themselves in the butt. They do the end zone dance. They do whatever they're celebrating. You need to celebrate yourself. You need to yes. celebrate each day. Each day is a victory. Each client is a victory. Each thing you do is a victory because there are too many people sitting on the sideline, not doing it. You're out there doing it in the real world. Celebrate your victories. Be proud of what you're doing. And I'm super proud of this book because it took me a lot to do, not just write it, but get it published, get it like edited, um, time, energy, money, the investment, um, but it's worth it because I know now I'm going from changing people's lives locally in the community of, of right. uh, Los Angeles and other areas. Now I can go globally with this and change more lives in ways that I know are going to be just awesome. So. Oh. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Steve Jordan, who has written this book, 22 Ways to Optimal Health and Fitness. You can find that at stevejordan.com. How else can they find you? Uh, you on social media, uh, things like that? Let and, us know. Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram at underscore Steve Jordan, and I'm on Facebook, Steve Jordan Fitness. And um, I'm on Twitter as well, Steve Jordan Fit. And uh shoot me an email. I'm very, very approachable. Um, and I say that very, very approachable because uh, it's one of the most common things that people have said, uh, you know, when they learn of my success or they meet me um, and they see what I'm doing and how I do it, you know, when they really get to know me, they're like, wow, you're really humble and very, you know, cool person. You're down earth and very, you know, I, I love doing that. And that was actually one of the, one of my attributes at NASM because we had you know, again, Larry Parasino, Rob Rettman, Scott Lucette, uh, Cherie, and, you know, like all these crazy educators, super brainiac guys and gals that were writing the books. And Mike Clark nicknamed me Hollywood because <laughs> I was more, that was my nickname at NASM because I was more like entertaining. Like I'd go out and I would educate and I was, you know, stuck to the science, but I also helped to make it relatable. I helped to bring more like make people feel more calm about it because people got really like, you know, they got scared of the information. They felt, you know, the information was, 
was 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 too much, but I helped break it down and I made people feel at ease. So please email me if you have any questions about your career success. You want to be motivated or inspired? I will write back uh, usually within 24 hours, and um, would love to chat with you. I'd love to help you out. It's uh, one of my life passions, not just with clients, but with other trainers. I mentor as well. If you want a mentoring program, I've I've done a, over half a dozen mentoring programs with people who've come and stayed in Los Angeles and worked with me and shadowed me, and uh, I'm happy to do that as well. So. Very cool. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Jordan. Steve, thank you so much. And I want to say to you, thank you so much for being here, listening to the podcast, like, subscribe, share. If you've got questions for me, reach out to me. You can hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickritchie, or you can email me at rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Keep inspiring people to fitness. Y'all keep doing what you do because I know that you love it and we're here to support you for it. Got any questions? Reach out to me. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.